This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not asking for money to deal with his hurt feelings. Check it out. The Harvard students who cheered on Hamas terrorists last week are now soliciting donations to help them deal with all the criticism they faced for doing so. Hey, I've got an idea. How about you? How about that? Buckle up, kids. It is going to be a chippy Tuesday on the show. Emily Campagna is going to be here, outnumbered co-host, fan favorite. Uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamek is scheduled to be here. Now, that could change because they are in the throes of figuring out who the next House of uh, House Speaker will be. Uh, we will be monitoring that ongoing situation as they are in the chamber now. They haven't quite begun the opening remarks, so we will begin ours. Uh, 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of the show that has no barrier for ent- entry intellectually, philosophically. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, man. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a <laughs> Boom. Happy Tuesday. Here we go. So as far as the Jim Jordan speaker vote, uh, he is going to get the votes. Okay. I don't know if it'll be on vote number one. Uh, But I do expect them, uh, based on some pretty well-placed sources, to emerge from that chamber late this afternoon with a new House speaker. Uh, So if you're going to the window in Vegas, I would put all of my money on Jim Jordan crossing the over 218. He knows what he's talking about. Now, as we said, okay, we will continue to monitor this. If anything changes, I mean, let's be honest, uh, I haven't always been 100% accurate with my wagers over the years. There's a reason some of you probably own pictures of me in a blonde wig covering up my Adam's apple. What the hell did you just say? I'm kidding, but the rent don't pay itself, folks. And let's just say that not all of these bets come through in the end. But as far as the Jordan bet, I am feeling pretty confident as we get onto the air today. So let's see how it goes. In the meantime, okay, do what you want with your money. Bet Jordan. Don't bet Jordan. I don't care. But do yourself a favor, okay? If you're thinking about sending the money up to Harvard, to help the kids that are now whining about the blowback that came from cheering on Hamas. Seriously, just throw your money in a fire because you'll be getting more value out of it. I think he's got a point. Okay, so here's a story. Last week, we kind of commented on this a few times in passing because I was so taken back by the open levels of anti-Semitism in this country right now. And it's disgusting. Okay, you've probably seen the video of the Cornell professor, okay, calling it exhilarating. Russell Rickford, real winner, okay, chanting to his students at a rally that it was exhilarating to see the terrorist attacks against Israel. Okay, that happened. Okay, then you've got the NYU doctor who just got fired, thankfully, because she was celebrating the Hamas massacre. Okay, she posted video of the attack 
at the rave near Gaza, the music festival, and she posted video of the actual murders, saying, Zionist settlers getting a taste of their own medicine. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. And to NYU's credit, they did. They actually fired her. Folks, how did we get here? And I'll tell you how we got here. Okay, and it's very, very simple. The people on the left are specialists when it comes to projection. And what they mean, what I mean is they're always accusing you of being the thing that they are. Bingo. Okay, they've been calling anyone who disagrees with them a racist and a Nazi for the better part of the past decade. But let's be very honest. If Hitler were alive today, he would be on the same side as them, as the students at Harvard, as the NYU doctor, as the Cornell professor, as all those jackasses out at Northwestern. Okay, as all those kids who spoke up at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, Hitler would not be on Israel's side. Okay, if Hitler was alive today, he would be wearing a Hamas jersey. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Straight up. Okay, that's just the reality. So you understand everybody on the left that has weaponized, okay, their projection as a means of getting what they want through the years. Hey, vote for us. Agree with us or you're a racist. And a lot of times that has, you know, socially pressured people into complying. They've been able to emotionally pistol whip people into compliance because they don't want to get called a racist on Twitter. Corporations don't want to get called racist on Twitter and Facebook and everything in between. So they co-signed a lot of this ridiculousness. But all of the people the corporations got into bed with, like, don't you think it's a little funny? Like last night watching Monday Night Football, me and Lincoln, and the NFL games this weekend have all begun with a salute and a remembrance and an acknowledgement of the suffering over in Israel. Okay, Israelis slaughtered by a Hamas terror group. Okay, but the same NFL that's mourning that, that's acknowledging that, okay, has devoted entire football seasons to the Black Lives Matter movement, which cheered on the same slaughter that the NFL is now decrying before kickoff. I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is, okay, when it comes to caring and justice and everything in between, every one of these corporate virtue signalers, but especially somebody like the NFL. You are so full of sh**. But to the NFL's credit, okay, they are not still cheering on Black Lives Matter. They are not cheering on Hamas. They are taking the only side there is to take. When one side is beheading babies and slaughtering innocent civilians, there isn't another side. Not if you're a decent, upstanding human being. Okay, so every one of these kids at Harvard comes out last week, okay, and they sign a statement that I read on the air, okay, reluctantly, because I was blown away by just how much of an open embrace there has been of the violence towards Jewish people. Now, again, you live in America, you hear a lot about the black and white racism. Black and white racism in this day and age is a mom and pop compared to what's going on in the world, especially if you just compare it to anything happening in the liberal faction of this of this country. Okay, where they're openly chanting from the rivers to the sea, which is the chant that calls for the full extermination of the Jewish race. Okay, that is not tolerance. That is not inclusion. That is not compassion. That is not coexistence. That is not hate has no home here. That is hate is alive and well here, thriving like it never has before. Correct the mundo. Okay, so understand this. Harvard, okay, comes out and puts out a statement last week. The Harvard Undergraduate Palestine Solidarity Committee issues a letter co-signed by 33 other 
Harvard student organizations. So 33 organizations at Harvard co-sign a letter saying we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. I'm surrounded by idiots. Okay, seriously, think about that. We hold Israel responsible. You know, the people who paraglided into a rave and started murdering and raping and tortured unarmed people and recording it on their cell phones and sending it to their families. Okay, we hold the innocent victims responsible for this. I mean, that's the stance here at Harvard. Like I said, never been prouder to go to a community college than I am right now. Okay, I used to make fun of myself for giving a guy named Spider a bag of weed so I could get accepted into school. But it's, looking back now, one of the smartest transactions I've ever made, okay? I wasn't taught to hate America, and I wasn't saddled with a quarter of a million dollars in debt from some useless degree, okay? I had debt to a bookie, but that's another story for another time, okay? But now, a week after 33 student organizations at Harvard, okay, were outright named for doing what they did, they're now soliciting donations to help deal with the blowback that they're getting in terms of hurt feelings, in terms of any type of legal pushback, any type of complications that could ensue should they go to get hired. Okay, what's happened in this country is we created a world where a lot of people think their emotions are their facts. So if their emotions, okay, are their facts, that means they can't be wrong in their own eyes and worldview. Okay, and that's the harsh reality they're waking up to. When you placate these idiots who really do believe, well, if I feel it, everybody else has to respect it and get out of the way. If I, if I feel that men can have babies, then you've just got to go along with it because it's how I feel. That is a fact check false. No, we don't have to go along with it. You want to know why? Because of biology. By straight biology. I think Mr. Rogers said it best. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. And I bring up that point. Why? Because the people asking for forgiveness in places like Harvard and Cornell and Penn and Northwestern and all up and down the Ivy League, the people want you to forgive these students now. These 21-year-old students, these 22-year-old students, these 19-year-old students, these 18-year-old students, okay? They want you to forgive them because, hey, they're just kids. They did a stupid thing. You know, kids do stupid things. Sure. But do you understand the same people telling you 21-year-old kids don't always do the right thing? They don't always know what's best for them. Those same people tell you it's okay for a 5-year-old kid to choose gender reassignment surgery. So if you're keeping score at home, do you understand? Ah, you're 21. You don't know what's best for you yet. You don't make all the right decisions. So you got to, you know, just give them a break here. But, you know, a five-year-old can commit to a lifetime supply of surgeries and follow-up medications because they're trapped in their own body. That's how they feel at the age of five. And there are certain things you just know, okay, at the age of five. Whereas, you know, intellectually you're still developing at 18, 19, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. But what a five-year-old knows, a five-year-old knows clearly that is when you are at the peak of your evolution. I mean. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. It's ridiculous. But the idea that, you know, the people who said this now want a little money, want a little help. Oh, they're being mean to me. 
Like, what world are we living in where people are so bereft of self-awareness that on Monday they can be chanting along with the kill the Jews crowd, and on Tuesday they can be like, yo, why are you mad, bro? Why are people so upset at me? I don't understand what's going on. Time was you could get out of here and call for the extermination of an entire race. Like, what world were they living in? Okay, not a real one, not reality, a world where they were taught their emotions were facts. If they didn't like the way a joke sounded, we needed to cancel the comedian. If they didn't like the syrup brand, we needed to change the way we ate our pancakes. Oh, I don't agree with the politics of that president who died 200 years ago. I don't know. Maybe we should just rip down his statue. Okay, here's an idea. Okay, how about everybody starts dealing with the real world instead of the pretend one that exists in their head? where there's any side to choose between the innocents being slaughtered and the animals calling for their extermination, okay? You don't get student loan forgiveness for learning that lesson because if we forgive that loan, we're only going to encourage more of that stupidity going forward. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. We are fired up on a Tuesday Emily Campagno is going to be here. Kat Kamek scheduled to be here. She might be choosing a new house speaker. Could get in the way. History calls. I just got a lot of nerve ducking out of this show. Kat Kamek, unbelievable. No, I can't. It's fine. Uh, if you are looking to see your radio buddy on TV, I am scheduled to be on with the great Martha McCallum today at 3.50 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, also scheduled to be on the Ingram Angle tonight in the 7 o'clock hour. And if you missed me this morning with Stuart Varney, I have posted that hit on the Fox Across America website, foxcrossamerica.com. It is also on the Fox Across America Facebook page. You can go either way. You're covered. You'll see me on Varney sucking it in because the minute we taped my stand-up special Friday night, I went right back to eating big food. Oh, my goodness. It was great. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. That's what they were saying. It was ugly, man. <laughs> we lost a lot of good calories out there, but it was needed. Uh, really quickly, just to get you back up to speed on the situation we were discussing off the top of the show. Okay, so the Cornell professor, okay, guy's name is Russell Rickford, okay? And I just want to get it right because I know this is a proud moment for his family, okay? There is so much dirt baggery in academia now. And what they've done is they've very reductively taken society and relabeled it in the eyes of these stupid children who don't know any better. They've relabeled society into oppressors, and the oppressed. That's the way they see the modern-day America. You know the America that's the most tolerant and inclusive society on Earth? We are the most prosperous, talent, tolerant, and inclusive society in history of the world. Okay, there is not – if you're listening right now and you say I am a transgender two-spirit furry, okay, this is the 
only place in the world you'd want to be a transgender two-spirit furry. You will have civil protections in the workplace. Okay, they'll install a litter box if you so ask for one. Okay, you can compete against biologies that aren't even your own. Okay, that's the America we live in. Like, we are inclusive to the point of cartoonery. Okay, we're letting men swim against women. Okay, non-biological women. Okay, guys who are walking into female locker rooms, 260-pound men with their dong sticking out. But because they say they're women, they can swim in that locker room. Believe me, they're not tolerating this around the world. Okay, but certainly not in the Middle East. But what they've done on college campuses and reconfiguring everything to be about, you know, incentivized grievance. Spot an area in society where you can claim there's some type of modern day injustice and we'll reward you with pats on the back, valor and virtue. That's what we have now. The modern left are cultural arsonists. And what they like to do now is set fires where things were going fine. Hey, you know that statue we walked past for the last 200 years? No good. Not, not, cannot go on for another day. No good. Okay, really think about it, okay? Someone wrote an op-ed at George Washington University saying it was time to cancel George Washington. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But understand what had to happen between the time they enrolled and the time that they wrote the essay. When they enrolled, they were clearly fine with George Washington and paying for a diploma with his name on it. But along the way, something changed in society. We started to manufacture grievance. And in the summer of 2020, okay, it became cool to unearth areas that you could try to claim were somehow unjust. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's what it was. But the reason you can't cancel dead presidents is they were the best we had at the time. Okay, you're living in the most tolerant and inclusive society, and the reason you're here is because every one of those prior generations raised the bar. They didn't do what we do today. They didn't adhere to our standards, but our standards wouldn't have existed if it weren't for them. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Okay, but when the era of manufactured grievance, what they've done, because it gives them endless grievance, is they've split society into the oppressor and the oppressed. And what they claim is Israel is the oppressor. <laughs> that's what they claim. Oh, they're they're colonizing that. <laughs> if you want to talk about land rights, which is absurd on its face, because no matter who had what piece of land first, he didn't have it for long. If you look at the history of the world, okay, whoever showed up and was like, "Hey, this is my land," <laughs> twenty minutes later, okay, two hours later, a century later, but getting past all of that, okay, because that was thousands of years ago. Okay, when you talk about who was on that land first, it was actually Israel. Okay, when you're right, you're right. And you're right. But getting past that, they're like, well, they're the oppressor. So the oppressed can do anything that they want. No, they can't, you idiots. I'm telling you right now, if Harvard had any decency, they'd stop charging people to get in because their students are that stupid. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the dang thing. 
It is 888-788-9910. We will most certainly try to get your calls, texts, tweets, and carrier pigeons. As the day rolls on, it's just a pretty busy Tuesday. We're trying to find a House speaker. We've got a battle over whether or not we should be taking refugees from Palestine. AOC weighed in saying we should. AOC is a dope. Ron DeSantis uh, standing his ground as well. There was a back and forth between the DeSantis campaign and the Haley campaign. Because right now when you're in a hotly contested primary, everybody is taking each other's messages and trying to run with them. Hey, she said this, but what she really meant to say was that... You know, and then she can be like, he said this and what? This is politics as usual. That's really what it is. Okay, but understand. Okay, yesterday, okay, I gave DeSantis credit for being one of the first candidates to go on record as saying he doesn't want to take migrants from Palestine. Why does he not want to take them? Because they have been taught anti-Semitism since birth. Okay, America, yes, is a country that was built on immigration. But when the boats were coming into Ellis Island, it's because they wanted to be American. Okay, they wanted to buy into our way of life, share our values, and they prided themselves on being American. Okay, it was about America. They were American now. Yes, my ancestors came from all over the place, Poland and Sicily and some of them from Ireland and France and God knows where else. But the point is when they got here, they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm here. Freedom! And they just wanted to be that thing now. Yes, they held on to traditions and cooked dishes that were, you know, uh, native to their homeland and their families and their customs. And, of course, we encourage that sort of thing. And that's what gave us, okay, the label of being a melting pot. All of these cultures came here and melted into one glorious culture called America. Okay, now we're not a melting pot. We're smoking pot. Okay, and there's a lot of anti-American sentiment within our border. We've raised an entire generation in elite academia and taught them to hate the country. They see the world through the lens of oppressor and oppressed. And in that limited reductive mindset, they believe the people they've framed as oppressed have the right to do anything they want to their oppressors because they're just, you know, fighting for their freedom. Not even close. No, they don't. Okay, any world. Okay, that has you siding with the barbarians who behead babies, okay, is not the world you want to be on, no matter what reductive language you've applied to the situation. But the sad reality of what's going on in Gaza, okay, is when you look at the neighboring countries in Jordan, when you look at the neighboring countries in Egypt, okay, they don't want these migrants. Do you want to know why they don't want them? Because inherent to their culture, I don't doubt there are a lot of people who don't like the idea that Hamas is in charge. But that doesn't mean they disagree with their position on Jewish people. That doesn't mean they disagree with their position on gay people and LGBTQ people and trans and everything in between that we're told we must celebrate, you know, celebrate at all times under the penalty of law. Use the wrong pronoun. You're fired. Okay, but in what conversation is it okay for us to live as Americans in a world where using the wrong pronoun could get you fired? Yet we're now going to let in a million people that would throw these same pronoun folks off the side of a building if they said they were living in a different gender ideology than the one they inhabit. Okay, do you realize how stupid that is? It's weapons grade stupid. Correct the mundo. Okay, if their values aren't ours, okay. It would be wonderful if they could change someday and they could come here and assimilate to our way of life, hold on to anything ethnic they cherish, the foods, the customs, the dances, the clothes, everything that makes you who you are, 
except hating Jewish people. How about, I don't know, maybe we don't let anybody in who wants to kill anybody else. I'm not an event planner, okay, but I feel like I'd have a reputation as being a pretty lousy event planner if I got a reputation for allowing in people who wanted to kill some of the other attendees. I feel like over the course of time, the Yelp reviews would start to catch up to my event planning company. Well, we like the centerpieces. The band was good. But yeah, 12 people showed up and killed like 50 more. It was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I got to give them a C- for this. As good as the floral arrangements were, as great as that 80s cover band was, yes, I, I don't know, man. Something about the killing the other 50 people just didn't sit right with me. Okay, do you understand if you're planning this event called America, as an event planner, you can't be letting people in who want to kill some of the other attendees. It doesn't make for a good party. I think he's got a point. It's so stupid. So DeSantis is right to stand his ground. And let me tell you something. I don't care you vote for. It's not my job. I just don't care. Okay, it's uh, as the country goes, we go. I just want whoever the president is to be good. Okay, I vote conservative. I believe their policies are exponentially better than liberal ones. But I don't say that because I want liberals to change the station and get mad at me. I could be wrong. It's okay. Okay, and I could be right. It's okay for you. Just the same. We're teammates. We live in this country. As it goes, we go. Stop fighting. It's exhausting. What are we five? Seriously, stop fighting. Okay, but when it comes to having true leadership, DeSantis has it. Not telling you he's going to win the presidency, but I'm telling you he'd probably be pound for pound the best president we could have because he has the balls to say what he thinks is right, regardless of what the political blowback is going to be. When he reopened Florida, okay, it was called an exercise in human sacrifice. Oh, he's going to get everybody killed. He's a murderer. That's what they screamed every night on the TV. The media is a bunch of losers. And lo and behold, he had better COVID mortality rates than the places that remain locked down. He has a better economy. His kids have a better education. Okay. And the state is thriving. More people are moving there than anywhere else in the country because he was a leader. Okay. When you're in charge, your job is not to read the room. I tell you this all the time. It's like stand-up comedy. Whenever you hear someone on TV going, ah, read the room. Okay. They don't know anything about comedy. Nothing. Okay, we use the phrase because it's become part of our vernacular. Read the room. Okay, but understand in comedy, your job is to lead the room. You have a microphone. Does anybody else in the crowd, anybody you're looking around at have a microphone? The answer would be no. No, you're in charge. Okay, and that's the same for being governor. And that's the same with being president. That's why Biden's so embarrassing when he goes, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I answer questions. Wait, what? Does that sound like the leader of the free world? The answer would be no. Ah, I've got a list of reporters they want me to call on. Does that sound like the leader? The guy's in charge? The answer would be no. No, he's not the leader. Joe Biden is a figurehead, the vessel through which the bureaucrats who control this country enact their ideas. The reason people are so threatened by a guy like DeSantis is DeSantis is going to run the show. Hey, Ron, we're doing it this way. And he's going to go, yeah, how about no? Okay, and to Trump's credit, Same type of leadership. So don't take a pat on the back for DeSantis as a Trump bash. It's so exhausting. Okay, 99% of you in this audience get it. But there are people like, I've had it with the Trump bashing. There's no Trump bashing. Okay, Trump would be better than any Democrat you could probably nominate in the next two decades. Because they're all a bunch of woke jackasses. Everything woke turns to But you've got to acknowledge there's some depth on the team. Okay, DeSantis would be a fine president. He would. He could elect him tomorrow and go to bed. Does that mean he could get the job? I have no idea. None. 
okay? But he's in a back and forth with Nikki Haley. Here is what Nikki Haley actually said when she was on CNN, clip 17. You have to realize that whether we're talking about Gazans and Palestinians, um, you know, all of them don't, you've got half of them at the time that I was there, didn't want to be under Hamas's rule. They didn't want to have terrorists overseeing them. They knew that they were living a terrible life because of Hamas. You had the other half that supported Hamas and wanted to be a part of that. We see that with Iran, too. The Iranian people don't want to be under that Iranian regime. They don't. We saw what happened to Masa Amini. We saw how they treat them. There are so many of these people who want to be free from this terrorist rule. They want to be free from all of that. And America's always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists. And that's what we have to do. Okay, now listen, this is where I agree with uh, former governor of South Carolina. We would absolutely positively have to separate civilians from terrorists. But right now at our southern border, we're not doing that. We've got 1.7 million people who come into this country that we don't even know where they are. We don't even know what their intentions are. That can't be good. The only thing we know is we've had tens of thousands of people cross our border that are not from landlocked nations. They've migrated here from other sides of the world that happen to be breeding grounds for terror. Okay, it doesn't mean everyone who crosses the border is a terrorist. Come on. Okay, but at the same time, it does mean I wouldn't trust this administration to vet one from the other. Okay, this administration's telling us right now there's no sign Hezbollah is going to jump into the war. Okay, but this administration was also telling us the Afghan army was not going to collapse. Okay, this administration says there's no sign Hezbollah is about to escalate and enter the war. Okay, understand our intelligence also didn't have Hamas parachuting into a rave and killing 250 people. The fact is, I don't necessarily entrust the intelligence community in this moment. Okay, the intelligence community told us Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, they told me Donald Trump was colluding with Russia, and that's how they won the 2016 election. It was made up by these sick people. So I'm just, I don't want to besmirch the character of any of our institutions, but I think personally, okay, as much as we'd like to be compassionate in this moment, Okay, we've still got an extra 10 million people living in our country right now. Okay, and we haven't successfully vetted most of them, let alone taking in more migrants from a part of the world that hates us and wants to blow us off the map. Doesn't mean they're all members of Hamas, but you know who's not taking their chances with these migrants? Egypt, Jordan, they don't want them there. They don't want them there because they don't know what element is within that society. Ergo, they don't want to let them into their countries. But here we are saying we're going to let them into ours. This could be a problem. So DeSantis calls out Nikki Haley. OK, he doesn't frame her remarks the way she said them, to be clear, because that's how politics work. But the comments he makes towards Haley, OK, certainly elicit a response not only from her, but also from AOC. And I'm going to have to play you a clip at some point from AOC. No! God! No! God! Please, no! 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 Here is, uh, first and foremost, DeSantis, clip 18. The truth is, in Gaza, it's a dysfunctional, toxic society, in part because they teach young people to hate Jews. That is endemic to their culture. And, you know, we've been dealing with this issue. I remember in Congress, people tried to defund some of the money going to the textbooks. But it is really, really bad. And so you just have to understand that. And it doesn't mean that they're all members of Hamas. But what it does mean 
is that's not something you want to import into the United States. So that's where you differ from from your opponent, Nikki Haley, there. you, you, you I'm don't. willing to speak the truth. She's trying to be politically correct. She's trying to please the media and people on the left. Uh, I don't care about that. I'm going to speak the truth and let the chips fall where I mean, they may. Okay, so that's DeSantis trying to draw a distinction between he and Nikki Haley. Now, Nikki Haley was on America's Newsroom this morning, uh, which is the finest program we have on this channel. They are the bell of the ball. Okay, and Nikki Haley was asked by Bill Hemmer uh, to remark on her comments about refugees and DeSantis. Okay, this answer she gives Hemmer sounds slightly different than the comments she made to CNN. The comments to CNN is, you have to realize whether we're talking about Gazans and Palestinians, the truth is all of them don't, okay? Half of them at the time I was there didn't want to be under Hamas's rule. They didn't want to have terrorists overseeing them. They knew that they were living a terrible life because of Hamas. You had the other half that supported Hamas wanted to be a part of that. We see that with them too, the Iranian people. They don't want to be under the Iranian regime. They don't. We saw that what happened to Masa, meaning we saw how they treated them. There are so many of these people who want to be free from this terrorist rule. They want to be free from all of that. And America has always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists. That's what we have to do. So that comment does sound like she's saying, take them in. We've got to separate civilians from terrorists. But she goes on America's newsroom this morning and says she never said take anyone from Gaza. I'll let her words speak for themselves. You could be the judge. I don't have an answer, and it's not my job to have an answer. Uh, Clip 19. I've always said we shouldn't take any Gazan refugees in the U.S. I said it when I was at the U.N. that we shouldn't take Syrian refugees at the U.S. I believe that the, those in the region should take them. I said that about Syria then. That's why Jordan and Turkey took the, the bulk of the refugees there. And I think, honestly, the Hamas um, sympathizing countries should take these Gazans now. We're talking about Qatar. We're talking about Iran. We're talking about Turkey. They should stay in the region. There is no reason for any refugees to come to America. And I, you know, my record's very clear on that. So you, you agree with Ron DeSantis? I've always said that. I mean, that's the last thing we want. One, because we don't know who they are. But two, Bill, look at the fact that Egypt doesn't want them. Why doesn't Egypt want them? For the same reason that we should not want them. It's because you can't vet them. You don't know. So it's a slight about face because her previous remark was America's always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists, and that's what we have to do. So it seemed like she was making the case for separating one from the other. Now she's saying there's no way of doing it, which I believe is the correct answer. Okay, but this back and forth ultimately made its way over to AOC. (laughs) Oh, listen, few have done more with less. She is a congresswoman. Here's her take, clip 21. And I also want to address something very specific about what Uh, Governor DeSantis said when he said, quote unquote, all Gazans are anti-Semitic, how incredibly destructive and dangerous that rhetoric is. We just had a six-year-old boy stabbed 26 times this morning because of rhetoric like that. Mm. And it is dangerous. It is unacceptable. It is reckless. And no leader in the United States of America should be amplifying a message like that. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Is she ever? Okay, understand, the people in Gaza specifically 
are being taught anti-Semitism from word one. They are, okay? Whether they're good at school or they're bad like I was, that is what they're being taught. That is the environment they grow up in, okay? They're led by a culture that wants to eliminate the Jewish race. So when DeSantis makes a statement like that, we could get into a semantic battle over whether or not it's 98% or 100%, but the fact remains it's the standard operating procedure over in Gaza, okay? They hate the Jewish people. Okay, but when AOC tries to tell you that rhetoric is responsible for death, she very conveniently omits a lot of the rhetoric on the left and deaths that have ensued. Okay, the reality is we don't know what is actually responsible for what, because the truth is the people out there committing these heinous acts are the ones responsible. It's not my words. It's not your words. It's not DeSantis's words. But the left likes to go after everything other than the cause. Someone pushes a guy in front of a train in New York City. It's, you know, well, we're systemically racist. So people are going to grow up to be guys who push people in front of trains and there go America needs to clean up its act. No. How about we start with the people doing it and then we can build out from there. Just an idea is all I'm trying to say. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Talking about the looming refugee battle. Uh, There are surrounding countries uh, who very well might take some of these refugees in Gaza. Uh, So far, none of them are stepping up to do so. Uh, But the idea that they should come here uh, is a non-starter for me. Uh, You're welcome to weigh in in the next hour. 888-788-9910. Emily Campagna is going to be here as well. Uh, We will go into the House chamber because the vote for a speaker is getting underway moments from now okay they're lining up right now and you know everybody's taking their last second cash donation from the lobbyists i kid but we'll get into it emily campagna will be here cat kamak who is in the chamber may also dial us up on her little flip phone uh the old 1998 nokia she's not right balling yet she's new to congress uh but she's a fresh face here as well and we'd love to hear from her so we'll get into all of that after this on fox across america Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are back in action, fired up for an embarrassment of radio riches here on the high flying, death defying Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you're watching the House Speaker vote right now, it is underway. Jim Jordan can only afford to lose two votes if he wants to clinch this thing in the first go round. Uh, he is already actually he can only lose four votes. He's already lost two of them. Uh, two people writing in Kevin McCarthy in a symbolic gesture is what I'm hearing right now. Two votes for McCarthy, who's not going to be the speaker. Are you stupid or something? But this is how politics works. So as we update this live tally, Jordan with 42, McCarthy with two, Hakeem Jeffries with 44, because every Democrat is going to vote Jeffries and try to stole off Jordan's confirmation. And uh, it is essentially going to be a battle that could take, you know, one vote, but could go as high as, you know, five, six from what we've heard. Uh, I have some pretty well-placed sources that expect him to get it done this afternoon, uh, but that will require uh, he only has one more Republican vote to lose 
if, in fact, he is going to win it on the first go-round. So we'll continue to update that. Emily Campagna will come by. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the show, uh, a show where you can, of course, be a Republican, be a Democrat. You just can't be a We've already got one of those hosting the show. Oh, come on, I kid. I'm being silly. It's Tuesday. I'm in a good mood. We just finished taping my stand-up special and getting ready to go back out on the road. If you want to meet me in person, man, do you have options starting in November? It's going to get nuts, okay? We will be, oh, so exciting, uh, down on the Patriot Awards in Nashville. Uh, That's where I will be on Thursday night, the 16th of November. Uh, then Friday, if you don't see me in Nashville, you can see me Friday and Saturday in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. Boom. Uh, that is Friday night, November the 17th, Saturday night, the 18th. Then December the 2nd, I will be back at the Carson Nugget in Carson City, Nevada. All the KKFT listeners, welcome to come on down. Okay, KSUE listeners, I was on with Chad and Andrea this morning. God, I've suffered enough. Come bail me out at the comedy show. That is Saturday night, December the 2nd. Uh, Then we will be in East Texas. Me, Lincoln, and my brother, Mike. Uh, You'll see us down there uh, December the 9th. And then we will be at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Saturday night, December the 16th for the win. If you happen to be in Palm Beach, come see your radio buddy. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Bernie is down in Clearwater. That's where I was over the summer, living my best life with Kennedy at the Capitol Theater. Bernie! How are you doing, man? Buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm in a great mood, uh, but I'm a little worked up about the idea of us taking in a bunch of refugees who hate us. Where are you weighing uh, in on this? Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, the only thing I want to say, you were talking about Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to remember, during the time of Ellis Island, most of the immigrants who were coming to Ellis Island were all Europeans. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the countries, a bunch of different names back then, they had no idea what America was, none whatsoever, mm-hmm. like they do now. So it was kind of a whole different time because most of those people had Christian values, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, my yeah. grandparents came mm-hmm. from Poland and Germany. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm 78 years old, so I've been through a lot of this different crap, you know? Yep. Um, the other point, people are always talking about, well, why doesn't Egypt take people? you got to remember, at that gate, Egypt, there's actually two gates, mm-hmm. one on the Palestine side and one on the Egyptian side. Yep. And the Palestine side is refusing to open their gate. Yep. So even if Egypt opens theirs, what good does that do? You know what I mean? It's listen. The whole situation is a mess. Okay, but the oh re- yeah, for sure. Yeah, the reality of having anyone here who doesn't, uh, who can't be vetted, who doesn't have our values, is just a no go for me. Okay. Oh. You know, and that firmly, and, yeah. firmly agree with you on that. Well, good. Firmly. No, that that I appreciate, yeah. Bernie. How far yeah. are you? Uh, if I'm going to be down in Naples or Palm Beach, which one are you closer to? Uh, well, Palm Beach is about five hours away, Ooh, and Naples is like two and a half for me. Oh, that's far. All right, Bernie, I'm going to book a show closer to you again because we loved Clearwater. They treated us great when we were down there. 
Yeah, last time I was actually unable to get to the show. Uh, the I wanted to, but I just couldn't. Yeah, I don't, yeah. but now we things planned. No, time. that's fine. But now we know why you called in because if you were at that show, there's no way you'd still be listening. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, oh, probably kidding. not. You never can tell. I may hate you. Who knows? <laughs> Good for you. Uh, a know? lot of fun. Uh, but we'll get it. We're gonna do it again. And I, I really, I appreciate you, you sharing your points because they were spot on, my man. Okay, and I just think oh. people need to realize. That double gate on that board. Yes. You know, host, not just you, but a lot of people just say Egypt should open it. Well, they can't. And they no. don't want them anyways. No, they don't want them. over there wants them. That's the you point. Know, Jordan that... doesn't want them. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's the point. Like, if they don't want them, okay, and they know they know more than we do, okay, uh, and there's a reason. So I don't know how this is going to play out, but I do know, you know, we have enough people here right now that we don't know what to do with that we can't chance bringing more, especially if there's no way of knowing whether they hate us. So I think we'll figure this out. But good stuff, Bernie. Let's do it again, brother. The great Bernie down in Clearwater, Florida, who did not go to my show when I was down there with Kennedy. Get him out of here. Get him out. You're allowed to be busy. It's okay. We don't need you. You know, these aren't mandatory attendance events. But I tell you all the time, if you come see us live, it's like it's like the greatest. Uh, November 11th, I'll be at the Stanley Theater with Kennedy up in Utica. If you're listening on WIBX, Town Square Station. Hey, girl. Um, these events are like it's the I, I guess the best way I can explain it to you. It's like scared straight for America. Do you remember when they had that scared straight where there was like a sassy kid in seventh grade and they'd lock him in a room with a convict who had murdered three people? And he'd scream at the kid until he learned to stop talking back to his parents and respect his teachers. That's kind of our comedy show. It's like a scared straight for America. Uh, but instead of beating you up, we're just laughing at you. Uh, so it's going to be a good time. Here is Jim Jordan this morning. The House is voting as we speak. Okay. We've seen two votes for Scalise. We've seen three votes for McCarthy, which would tell me Jordan is not going to make it in vote number one. Okay, this could go. Maybe some Democrats defect. We don't know. Uh, But here is uh, Jordan talking about the process of converting the holdouts. Clip one. There's still four, at least four Republicans who say they will not support you. How do you get them on board? We're talking to everyone, listening to everyone. Um, Again, I feel good about how things are moving. And uh, we just need to get a speaker so we can get them. Realistically, House are you operating, you, helping the American people. Realistically, are you preparing for this to go multiple rounds, though? we got to get a speaker. So, sounds like he is. Uh, here's a second follow-up to that. It's clip two. How many votes are you willing to go through tomorrow? Are you going to just start going? We need to get a speaker tomorrow. Um, the American people deserve here. to have their yep. Congress, their House of Representatives working. Um, and we can't have that happen to get a speaker, so we need to do that. Plus, we need to be helping Keep our, our dearest friend and colleague, uh, or, or dearest friend and, and closest ally, uh, Israel. We need to help them as well. Keep going over and over again. Tomorrow, you expect multiple roll call. Well, look, tomorrow. I felt good walking into the conference. I feel even better now. we got a few more people we want to talk to, listen to, uh, and then we'll have a vote tomorrow. Okay, so that's Jordan saying, you know, you got to play the teams on the schedule. Okay, my personal take on this, because you hear Jim Jordan on this show a lot. He's probably been on this show more than any other lawmaker. And, um, you know, it's mainly because when he first appeared on the show, he didn't know this, but I married a girl from his district, the 4th Congressional District out in Ohio. So we had a lot of, like, common culture that we were laughing about the first time he came on the show, and we kind of became, you know, friendly on the air. 
you know, jokey interviews where we get into real hard substance, yet we manage to do so in a lighter tone. That's kind of the benchmark for the show is a, a Jordan interview. You got a guy who is an instrumental figure in how our government operates, but he's willing to come on and have a personality and not distill memorized talking points like it's an infomercial for his political party. That's the goal of the show. That's what we're trying to give you. We're trying to give you a hang with influential people. But getting past the fact that he's a good hang on the air is he's one of the people I've gotten to meet off the air and ascertain that they mean it. Okay, it really matters to me because I'm not a political activist. I am an inactivist. Okay, I like to host a talk show. I like to level with you. I like to share my ideas, but I don't want to be on here stumping for people who I happen to know are talking point empty suits that just want to get fed by the lobbyists when they're done appearing on all their media hits. Okay, Jordan is a guy that genuinely cares about the direction the country is going in and does a great job of articulating that worldview. Ergo, I'd want him in there because having talked to him off the air, I can vouch for the fact that he cares about the country. I don't doubt there are other guys who want the gig to care about the country too, but I'd be lying if I said I talked to them off the air in their golf shoes and had that same conversation. You know, it's one thing to say it to me on the air. It's another thing to really mean it off the air. So that's where he gets my support. Where it goes from here, I don't know. You know, there were reports earlier in the day, this could be five votes, this could be ten votes. Uh, I don't know that it'll go that high. Uh, I do know that his camp was confident they will get there today. So we'll see. Okay, we will continue to update the situation. But we can confirm that he did not win the speakership on the first vote. Okay, McCarthy, I believe, took 15. Uh, Chad Pergram was saying earlier it would be somewhere between Pope Francis and McCarthy, meaning Pope Francis took as many as five votes before the smoke came out of the chimney. Uh, McCarthy took 15 votes before we saw the smoke. And in that case, it wasn't uh, Vatican smoke. That was just Hunter's crack pipe. Hunter's a dirtbag. Just a red meat cheap shot of a joke, folks. That's what we're doing here. It's Tuesday. We're having a good time. That's what you do on Fox Across America. The world's on fire. We're just roasting radio marshmallows. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. How did that happen? Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Monitoring the situation, we're being told Jim Jordan is unlikely to win the speakership on the first vote. Current tally, 116 for Jordan, four for Scalise, five for McCarthy, 117 now for Jordan, 114 for Hakeem Jeffries, and four for others, including Lee Zeldin. So there's still some holdouts within the GOP. Uh, is Jordan uh, seems increasingly unlikely to win it in round one. He's now at 119 votes as we monitor this live. Uh, but here's the bottom line, okay? They get this right today. Number's now up to 121. Uh, if they get this right today, okay, at some point, through two votes or 12 votes or 18 votes, and the Republicans wield the power of the purse and they get the appropriations done and they conduct the oversight, okay, and they run this branch of government... <laughs> in a manner in which the American people are on board with, no one is going to care how long it took to get a speaker. That's true. That is true. Okay. Did it look like a clown show 
when Gates upended McCarthy a thousand percent, which is why the Democrats went along with it. They wanted to throw the House into chaos so they could be like, see, look at these Republicans. But there's a commentary here. Yes, Matt Gates is a clown who wants to be an influencer. Okay, he does. That's who he is. I've met the guy. I've had him on the show multiple times. That's who he is. Okay, but getting past that, the Democrats, and this is something I've characterized them as being in the past, they are the ultimate prisoners of the moment. Okay, they want to win today's news cycle so bad. Okay, until it's over, in which case they want to win tomorrow's news cycle so bad. The way the Democrats work is it's politics, politics, politics. Everything is a perpetual fight for power. Ergo, consensus is useless to them. Like when it comes to the, the House speakership, yes, they voted unanimously, okay, to get McCarthy out because they knew Republicans would go into disarray. So they took the House of Representatives and they said, oh, no, look at these Republicans. They made a mess out of it. They recalled the speaker. Okay, eight Republicans voted for that scenario. Okay, eight of them, eight of them voted for that scenario. It was only possible because so did an additional 210 Democrats. So you understand, okay, the 218 votes that got McCarthy out of there, the Republicans only cast eight of them. The Democrats cast the other 210. Knowing we'd wind up getting a Republican speaker down the road, the Democrats just were happy to upend the country and make Republicans look bad because that's the game. This is politics as usual. Again and again and again. Okay, but understand this prisoner of the moment mindset that's willing to hold the country hostage if it means them looking better in a given news cycle. Number one can be detrimental to the country in the short term if the government isn't fulfilling its obligations to the people. But number two won't actually benefit them in the long run because the Republicans do a good job. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to go, well, you know what? The House of Representatives is the one wing of the government we approve of. But it did take a few weeks to get a speaker, so, you know, we're not going to vote for this party. It's not how it's going to work, okay? The Democrats want control. They'll do anything to get it, okay? In the summer of 2020, when Derek Chauvin, a thug cop, killed George Floyd, every one of us who watched the video, I mean universally in America, were like, yeah, you can't do that. George Floyd could have been a junkie, which he was. George Floyd could have held a knife to the belly of a pregnant woman, which he did. Okay, but if a guy is handcuffed face down on the pavement, you really can't kneel on his neck for eight and a half minutes. And we all roundly condemned Derek Chauvin. But understand we were in an election summer, and that consensus wasn't any use for the Democrats. All right, so now we all just agree? What is is this, America, where we have a universally shared moral compass? We can't have that. So the conversation went from Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck and we all agree to it wasn't Derek Chauvin. It was every member of this country because we're systemically racist. Democrats are so full of crap. But they changed the argument. We went from a place of universal consensus to that cop shouldn't do it. He deserves to be locked up into, well, you know, he only did it because every one of you is racist. Okay, you're unconsciously racist. White babies are born hating black babies and they don't even know that it's the thing. Come on, don't bullshit. That's exactly what they did. And it became politically viable for them to run on a platform of America is systemically racist. That's what they told us. Government's been racist for 250 years. So we've got to get rid of this guy, Trump, who's been a part of it for four years and replace him with this other guy who's been a part of it for 50 years. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That was the sale. This government's been racist since day one. So we've got to get a guy who's been a member of that racist government.
more than anybody in the history of the government. No one has served longer. Okay. We've been racist since day one. So we could, you know, fix the racism. You know the way we'll do it, right, is we'll go get a guy who's been a part of it. A guy who eulogized Klan members. Joe Biden. Look it up. Eulogized Robert Byrd. Go look it up. Okay. Member of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. Joe Biden. Eulogized the guy. Okay. Look it up. And understand. Okay. But that was the sale. And we had a consensus when it came to Derek Chauvin killing George Floyd, but it was of no use to them. Okay, they don't mind weaponized chaos. That's why they were willing to throw the House into the state that it's in. Okay, yeah, make the Republicans look bad. And remember this, Kevin McCarthy thought he was safe. He agreed to the one-vote threshold for removal because he trusted Nancy Pelosi, who said, I'll always have your back. What an idiot. I mean, seriously, Nancy Pelosi was like, I got you, boo. And he was like, all right, fine, I'll accept the speakership under these terms. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Ever. Okay. And that's why he's out of there. Because the same Democrats who were like, we've got your back, didn't have his back. That's just how white folks will do you. And they never intended to have his back at any point in the conversation. But the guy trusted Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Maybe so, but she's a ruthless killer. And she got her man. There it is, Fox Across America, your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, monitoring the race for a House speaker. Jim Jordan apparently not getting there on vote number one. They will continue to go. Uh, but now it's time for a discussion about a different type of speaker. Uh, if you were at uh, the taping of my one-hour stand-up special at the Paramount this last Friday, thank you. We had the greatest time ever. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, you guys. Uh, but backstage, my personal highlight of the whole evening, occurred backstage when I was sitting there. I mean, minutes. What would you, three minutes from going on stage in front of the world and taping this special? One of our favorite pregame rituals when I'm on tour is it'll usually wind up being me and, like, the crew or maintenance or whatever. We always play uh, The Autumn Wind from NFL Films by John Facenda. The Autumn Wind. The Autumn Wind is a Raider. When in walks uh, the former head cheerleader of the Oakland Raiders, to participate in the pregame ritual. She didn't have the pom-poms. She did have a Heineken. Uh, Emily Campagno is here now to relive the glory. Hey, girl. You guys, it was so epic. I just have to color commentate my own side of the story. So (laughs) I get out of traffic, and essentially it has taken me two hours to arrive at this theater, which should only take, like, max one. So I run in. I make it all about myself unabashedly. Poor Jimmy is, like, three minutes from showtime in his precious green room, getting his final makeup touch-up, reviewing notes. It's, like, quiet. And I come running in, screaming about the traffic. (laughs) I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I need a drink. And then you let me kindly in. And then from resounding mountains, it's like the sound of music, the initial scene, where all of a sudden the hills are alive with the autumn wind, which is, you guys, our fight song for the Oakland Raiders. I drop everything and immediately start doing the dance. I'm doing the cheer. It's like phenomenal. It essentially is like backstage for my show. And like halfway through, I'm like, wait, Jimmy, do do you need this to be different energetically? I'm like, you need anything, buddy? Because I'm just, I was like, it was so phenomenal. I went out there 
essentially like Rocky to the audience. <laughs> and then I had the pleasure, the supreme pleasure of sitting you guys in between Jimmy's wife and his son for the whole performance. And it was so special because every one of your grossly inappropriate jokes about both of them was hysterical to be <laughs> sitting between them. Because like we were cracking up and to see you were like sweetly looking like you like toss a glance to them. Uh-huh. And I, I felt like I was like on the couch in your living room during a family meeting. It was so special. It was so fun. I loved the outnumbered jokes. Yep. Hilarious. Boom. And to see you shine so bright. I know you know that I know you're such a star and my favorite person ever. But to see this whole big audience feel the same, cheering so loudly, like the throngs of support for you. I mean, wild. I was so proud. I was like proud mama bear over here, like <laughs> or sister sparrow, whatever I am. But like, just like, oh my God, everybody loves you. I was so proud of you. It was epic. The other funniest part thank is you. how I literally thought there was no food. So I came running in. I ate everything backstage. I, everything. I ate every entree eight times. She actually knocked a plate under a crew member's hand, knocked literally. it right out of his hand. And like then I just swallowed it all whole <laughs> Yo, and ball. then complete with the dessert and drinks. And then I went outside and then there was actually accidentally an order of hamburgers sent to our table for someone else. I ate that too. I was like, oh, dinners. I had a hundred dinners in 20 minutes. It was the best thing ever. So after the show, I rolled on stage and took a glorious photo with the star. You stop it. It was fantastic. But you have to know that was the highlight of the night for me because like (laughs) my backstage vibe is like very mellow. And we just blast music and we hang are- out. Like Kilmead walked in with his wife. He's like, is this okay that we're here? I'm like, absolutely. Because we just blast music and hang out. And I'm mellow. Because like that's kind of my process. Is like stand-up is like, this is a thing. It's a good time. Like you're on stage, you know, having a good time. So you just need to be in a good mood. Like that's the preparation. It's not studying. It's not chanting. It's like if you're ever backstage at like a comedy taping, the guy who the comic who's like shadow boxing never has a good set because that's what comedy is not. Okay, you're not fighting. You're actually, hey, it's the opposite. It's like everything's cool. So uh, having you there in that magical confluence of events, I really mean it It was like a career highlight. It was the but it was the funniest part of the whole night because it was like so serendipitous you know in like the finale of the sopranos he's just eating in the family diner and they keep cutting to meadow parallel parking the car and tony's <laughs> getting onion rings well like there we were it's like the clock was ticking towards go time like the opening act was on stage so like i'm going on okay like it's a thing and now we're just down to the song and you walked in for the song it was like journey playing don't stop believing at the end of the sopranos and i was in such a hilarious mood at the timing of it all that i just laughed my way through the whole night I had no emotion. You know when my emotions kicked in? When I got to order at the diner because I was so hungry. I was so happy to order at the diner. And at my cherished childhood diner, the embassy diner that I've been going through since I was two, uh, this was the moment after 44 years of going there, we found out there's a new owner who's the biggest Fox fan in the world who sat at our table the whole night. (laughs) So it was half the greatest meal of my life, the other half of like, what's Hannity like? And I'm like, can you just pass the ketchup, dude? He's literally listening. He's listening right now. I'm like, he's here. He's here right now. Yeah, you want to ask him? But um, it was the greatest night of my life. Totally. It was and the best. Well, you were you were coming off of six months of hungry, which yes. is why it was the best order of yes. your life. Yes, it was amazing. Everything about the whole, the best part of the night, too, is that at all times there were like a hundred layers of awesome and funny and just right happening. Like, even when I left outside, like the cars got all messed up. So I'm like, it's sort of in the middle of the night. I'm like trying to, you know, catch a cat, like all this yeah. stuff. And then as I'm on the phone with the car company, this random security guard comes walking past 
a huge wolf um, Halloween decoration that was like probably two stories tall that I guess is sound triggered or movement triggered. And so that thing started growling and howling (laughs) and moving and barking. And we were like ducking for cover. We were were like, what the, what's going on? It was like, oh, like the whole, it was, the whole night was great. All your favorite people were there. It was amazing. Your family and friends. And the thing that's so sweet about meeting your family and friends, too, is, like, they're all Fox fans. So yep. I, I remember being like, oh, I didn't know this was, like, open to the public. And then I was like, no, it's not. These are just all your peoples. Yes. That love where you work, support you so much, support this, they're support cool. us. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's cool, man. Yeah, the whole backstage thing was was nuts. I want to do it again. I, I wish I didn't have to. I had to leave. I, I wish I could stay. I wish we could do it again. When no, is your next you special? You needed to go. We'll shoot another one next year. But it was like. A whole year away? Maybe maybe sooner than that. You don't know. Because uh, like the, this is supposed to come out in January. It may come out before then. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts right now, but I uh, but it went over well enough that they're figuring out like what because it was nuts, it was so debauched, and I can tell you like anyone who's been around a lot of stand up specials, like we just created a vibe that was very unique to who we are. Meaning most stand up specials, it's like going to a school play where the guy happens to be telling jokes instead of singing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You know what I'm saying? Best musical ever. This was not a well behaved crowd. This was a raucous, rowdy monster truck rally that I wanted. That's okay, right. and that's what we were going for. Very rarely, I mean it. The, you go on stage yeah. and, and tell half your audience to like f off, but that's kind of the vibe and everyone can take it because they get it they love it you know and that's why it works so no we're gonna do it again em 100 percent. i wish i could be the one to introduce you <laughs> not not the warm-up comment because be i understand that that's a different thing but if i could just be the one to be like welcome everyone like <laughs> let's just let's just start off in the school play it should be it's like this should be the high school this is high school here anyway we know this yeah so why not have me be like, welcome, everyone, <laughs> and, like, get the happy and, like, get the, Yo, like, whatever here's before the, deal. the opening comment comes here's on. Here's the deal. Only if you do it in your Raiders outfit. No. Yes. No. Like a cheerleader. You said it was high school. I don't mean it has to be, like, scantily clad. Gross. Not, no, I didn't Jenny say it like that. Jenny doesn't care. I just meant, like, as a cheerer, as a person, you could do your song. Bring your crew and make it funny. The point is it's supposed to be funny. I could have a funny. Jimmy a Jimmy cheer outfit on. Absolutely. That would be really yeah, funny. Yeah, because the Raiders aren't going to let us use the likeness. But the point is I <laughs> wanted it to be funny. Yeah. Like what I would want it to be. This is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I always had this idea of, you know, like comics try to make these grand entrances. Where, like they have dancing girls and stuff. I'd want to do it where I had like five <laughs> slobs. You know what I mean? Dude, just, you have the Lizzo concert yeah, yeah, where she's I mean. like, inclusivity, like, I, I just, yes. size 100. That's what I want. I want I want a, <laughs> a cavalcade of fives while marshalling me onto the stage. Dude, everyone's going to throw sandwiches, up. Before, pyrotechnics. No, no it, because then it's like reverse glam. That's the point. <laughs> I want a reverse glam. Okay, that's the beauty of what I'm doing. You should just be walked on by like a biker game. Do it something dope that's not off-putting so everyone doesn't lose lunch. <laughs> you know? Have it be phenomenal. Well, if they lose lunch, it's because my dancers took it from them. <laughs> okay, it's a different, it's that's a different right. vibe. That's I'm running right. an all-inclusive Emily. That's what you got to understand. Well, maybe Emily Campagno's in the studio. Uh, we're doing a postmortem on my stand-up special. It'll be on Fox Nation in January. You guys can go see it in all its glory. And it was really the funniest night of my career. Just the funniest. That's the best way I could describe it. Is we just had so much fun. And we it had was so like, much fun. Oh, it was great. It was like, but even like what you had to see it because. Uh, Dana Perino was backstage with her crew and like they, they walked in like oh we're just so sorry I'm like no no you don't get how this works we just 
we're just blasting the Beastie Boys or whatever hell other like 80s, 90s rap song we can think of and no one cares. And then Kilmead was there and it was the same thing. And then you were there and that's just the vibe. At some point, Lincoln showed up and did what you did. You know, he ate all the food and went and did a show. And that's what you're supposed to do. Also, the venue, everyone, was was phenomenal. Totally dope, cool, like brick and mixed metals and stuff, but really huge. So it's not the vibe of that same decor in New York City where it's that, but it's you're sitting on top of someone else and someone else is in your lap. This was like plenty of space, totally open, people everywhere. (laughs) What? What? Josh, who had a floor seat, claims that the space was a little tighter. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was in the VIP box. Emily luxury Plenty of room bo- for me. Emily luxury box compagno, <laughs> Josh. Just let her hair down. Dude. Rapunzel, just let her hair down so you can see what it was sorry, like. Sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Usually I'm the one in someone's pocket, so if I can just even sit like myself and straight, it's, it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> but it was, no, no, just bottom line. Bottom it was line so was fun. phenomenal. Every, yeah, go ahead. I think we need to have an outdoor component. I see next time like a whole sort of renaissance fair outside in that whole big parking lot area. <laughs> That's my vision. I love it, but not for comedy. Uh-huh. Comedy hack, because this is the thing. Comedy has to be focused. That's why we close the sidebars during the show. You need everyone in the room's attention. Like, let me but explain this to you. what about after, I mean? After, could we have the outside with, like, kegs and stuff? Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm like, talking that about. That part's amazing. Like, make it, like, where we just, make it, like, days of confused. Yeah, yeah. That afterward. Yeah. That no. we just drink all night outside. <laughs> It's kind of With what, some, it's kind of what, what some of us wound up doing. That's right. <laughs> you, you left. People had to leave. I had to go. You know, I filmed stuff, and then uh, we were done filming, and we just ate half in Nassau County when I was done filming. But it was the greatest night ever. For people who didn't see it, you will see it on Fox Nation. And all you're going to get out of it is it's just like uh, we do a lot of live events. It was like that, but it was so cool. Like the venue was cool. The people were cool. The crowd was cool. It was just cool. It was like such a unique experience. And I really will. I'll never forget. It, but I was too busy having fun to get the scale. Like Ryan totally. Reese, who opened, I'm talking like a minute before we went on stage, was giving me like the "Are you okay?" He's like, "I'm so nervous for you. How are you?" Doing? And I was like, "No, it's just not how this works." Like you were busy cheering with me doing autumn wind. I know. Like, I was busy picking up everyone else's <laughs> spirits. I'm like, "We got a cheerleader over here. The Kilmeads would like a ham sandwich or whatever they wanted." I'm like, "You know, I'm hosting this party, so to speak." You were like Shrek in the village of whatever, like yeah. fairies flying by, kangaroos running by, <laughs> and it was drinks. so fun to be next to Jenny. By the way, everyone, because I had this total insider like artery where whenever Jimmy opened a joke by being like, you know, Jenny and I were talking the other day or whatever, I could turn to her and be like, is this true? And it was like, <laughs> it was so fun to have the insider baseball. Standards and the, practices. Exactly. It was so fun. It was so cool for me to be inside like that. Thank you. Well, you got, listen, you have the highest security clearance in the administration. Okay. Not saying don't, much. Don't leave documents next to your car. If <laughs> <laughs> I left them next to his That's Corvette. Right. That's right. But your car's nice enough that they wouldn't notice the documents. They would know you mock one. They might actually not look at. That was like an old commercial. Josh, do you remember if that was a Coke or a Pepsi commercial with Cindy Crawford? Do you remember that commercial? Oh, it was Pepsi. It was Pepsi. It was Pepsi. Where there's like this old commercial where Cindy Crawford was like the peak of her superpowers. And there's a she's drinking a Pepsi. And a little like two little boys on the fence are like, man, look at that <laughs> Pepsi, Pepsi can. Yeah, yeah that, that whole thing. The other day I got a toll, you know, violation notification or whatever. And it had like it was this huge printout of all the fines I owed. And this is all the stuff I did. And then it was the picture of my car and the picture of my license plate. And it was just hysterical because it was exactly that. Like I just drooled. I was like, that's my baby. There she is. <laughs> you know, and then an hour later I was like, oh, oh, I owe some money. Um, <laughs> wait, you guys really quickly, though, mm-hmm. if I can, speaking of all of this hunger, yes. all of this eating mm-hmm. half of Nassau County, my podcast this week is Jeff. Is it? 
I know it's not a gross segue. On the Fox True Crime podcast? Dude, it's amazing. It's the most ins- – talking about insider baseball, it's the detect- the responding detective, the one who opened the refrigerator and found the human head. You will not believe everything else that he found. It was he, this detective, who cataloged every single piece of evidence, including all the different body parts, all the hairs, oh all the goodness. everything that I can't even say right now. Oh, my you goodness. You do not want to miss this absolutely um, – really the most insider baseball episode I think that I've ever had. So, On Jeffrey Dahmer, Fox True Crime Podcast, yeah. Emily Campagna. Well, That's since right. you brought up Jeffrey Dahmer and it is my show, okay, we will close on a joke my grandmother told me. Okay, this is not in my special, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This would not make my special, but it would make my radio show. Everyone's going to be fine. Okay, it's not about Jeffrey Dahmer. Everything's going to be fine. Okay, two cannibals find a dead body. They decide they're going to split it. One guy's going to start at the head. Other guy's going to start at the feet. They're going to meet in the middle. Okay, ready, set, go. Away they go. First guy starts up at the head. Five minutes goes by. He's doing his thing. He yells down to his buddy. He goes, how are you making out down there? He goes, oh, you kidding me? I'm having a ball. He goes, slow down. You're eating too fast. <laughs> Good night, everybody. There it is. Come on. There it is. <laughs> so stupid. Go download the Fox True Crime podcast. Emily Campagna, the best ever. From Donner to Dahmer. <laughs> Back after this. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if we sound upbeat, it's because we finally got rid of Emily Campagno. I can't. Oh, oh, holy heck. I didn't even see you there. Awkward as heck. Still here upon invitation from the king yeah. and the queen. And by them, I don't mean you. <laughs> I will stay here all day. Emily comes by and she just turns my studio into her base of operations. Probably because your studio is bigger than my entire apartment. <laughs> And this couch that I'm sitting in right now is bigger than my entire bed. I mean, she, she who just, wouldn't no, leave? But she did. She just sent a fax. I didn't even know we had those anymore. <laughs> like she just, she just, she conducts all kinds of business in my studio. It's not just radio. It's so, it's so much more than just radio. But she is the host of the Fox True Crime podcast. You have to check it out really quickly, oh, uh, and download it and be a part of that community and correspond with Emily. And she's always a great time. You can check her out on the gram and everything else. And she's on outnumbered every day, which is so exciting. And uh, <laughs> no, it is. It's exciting. Did that? Did it sound? I rehearsed the hell out of that. I hope that sounded <laughs> just convincing. So it's just, it's so exciting. It's funny because <laughs> I get, well, it is because I only, I know your show through Chirons because we're on the air at the same time. Totally. So I'm watching the TV through Chirons and just like watching what you're talking about. What do about. I look like when I'm talking and it's on mute? Like, am I animated? Am my hair's flying around? That's am a, I all hands that's and like good, Italian? No. no, you're not as, it's funny because you're not that handsy as the way I know you to be. Yeah. You're not handsy on TV. Like when you're animated, like watching a football game, you are. You know what I mean? But it's, that's the point. <laughs> that's I think you're not handsy fear. on TV. Yeah, because a lot of your gestures can't be used on TV. <laughs> like, so I think it's a self-preservation right. instinct. I think it's partly also because, thank goodness for the Chiron, the bottom third of the TV. And if I'm holding like my papers, uh-huh. one hand is – so that's normal. If one hand is slightly gesturing at the bottom of the screen, yeah. that's less distracting than me. Yeah. That's what I mean. And the paper's the good. because I know. The paper has like an academic quality to it if you're holding the paper. Yeah, it's like it's you're thinking doodles. and referring to these notes. Yeah. Just oh, there's drawing. no notes on there. I know. <laughs> it's usually a horse racing form at Aqueduct. Right. She's usually betting a horse. Right. My brother Mike was listening to the show, and he texted in, and he said that we should enter the next time 
like rock, like uh, uh, Apollo Creed in Rocky Four comes into the ring in like this USA garb with James Brown. But James Brown is dead and Apollo does die. Now, my brother says we wouldn't have the Russian there to kill me <laughs> in an optimal scenario. But it's again, it's nice. It's, it's very decadent for comedy. So I don't know. Well, maybe that would be part of the comedic quality is that it would be so decadent. It no would be tongue-in-cheek. No one has talked me off my fat stripper plan, just so you know. Okay, we do have to go to commercial. I thought I did. Was that, yeah. We put that to you bed were in yet? the hunt. We'll get, just we'll come get... in in a chariot and get, there, like, Madonna There's style. another hour coming up without Luckily, Emily, thank God. Britney Spears. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are back in action for a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, an audio safe space for cool people where we celebrate freedom. If you live in this country, you have American privilege. Forget about white privilege or check your privilege. You have American privilege. If you live here, you have hit the lottery by virtue of the fact that you do. He knows what he's talking about. So when I get on the air, I'm not like an activist masquerading as a talk show host. I am a talk show host masquerading as a pseudo intellectual because I'm not that bright. I'm just your radio buddy, just a regular guy who's been blessed with a massive multimedia platform and an incredible audience of free thinkers who care about the country more than their party, who care about a greater good more than political infighting. This is the show that really is changing the way the game is played. We're not there yet. We're not the biggest show. We're just the coolest show. Okay, we'll get there uh, in time, and it will do so uh, as a great service to the country because politics were not supposed to become a bunch of fat, screaming children. Mom, he doesn't vote the way I like. I don't want to be his friend anymore. Get him out of here. That's what's become of our politics, and frankly, it's embarrassing. And I hate a lot of the ideas on the other side of the aisle, but I still don't have to get on the air and scream all day because, one, I have talent. Uh, A lot of people on the radio don't, uh, at least not on this level. And two is, you know, the truth is, we cannot convert people to thinking about a greater good by yelling at them. You can't shame people and scream at them into agreeing with you. Okay, they've been trying to do it on the left for years. I mean, that's how it works. Vote our way or you're a bigot. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. Okay, but that's not what we do. Okay, you may ultimately wind up agreeing with my stupid ideas because you find me silly or funny or agreeable or just genuinely a decent person, which if that's the case, the joke's on you. Uh, But the point is, okay, we're not here to blame and shame and attack. We're just here to host a damn show. So 888-788-9910 if you want to weigh in. Uh, What we can tell you here at the tippy top of the hour is the first speaker vote for Jim Jordan is up and it was no good. Uh, fell a few votes short of the threshold. They have now gone into recess, and they will now try to figure out a path forward. Uh, McCarthy took 15 votes to get confirmed. Okay, Pope Francis took five. We were told by our expert, uh, Chad Pergram, it would take somewhere between Pope Francis and Kevin McCarthy, meaning a number between five and 15. Uh, I don't know that it'll go that many rounds for Jordan, but I do believe based on communications that I have received from some pretty well-placed sources, that he will leave today as the House Speaker. I am standing by that prediction. You're an idiot! No, I'm not. You don't know him. You don't know. You don't know who tells me things. You have no idea. 
How dare you attack me on my own show? Uh, but as we begin this hour, I'm having a little back and forth with myself. Uh, as, as I'm arguing with myself here on the air. Have you ever had a checkup? Yes. I can't share the results or Fox wouldn't continue to put me on the air. They're like, the guy's crazy. But as we begin the hour, okay, what we've been told uh, last night by Secretary of State Antony Blinken is that they're sending Joe Biden over to Israel tomorrow. I keep forgetting I'm president. But he is president, okay, and they're sending him over there tomorrow. Uh, I would argue that at this point it might be safer to just send him to Epcot and tell him that he's overseas in Israel. He's like, oh, it's great. Yeah, beers of the world. I want cotton candy. But uh, he's going over there. And uh, I guess they're going to try to engage in some form of diplomacy. Uh, But what I believe, because this is an administration, and you need to know this, where everything is political, everything is about the optics, everything is about how can we leverage what's going on in the world in a way that will reflect favorably on this president and make people more likely to vote for him. That's how this administration operates. They don't move until the polls tell them to. Okay, what is the Biden administration doing right now? They're building a wall at the southern border. After telling us they were racist and they were terrible, they said, well, you know, the Republicans appropriated this money, so we have to build the wall because that's the law. But what they don't tell you is they're breaking 26 laws. They're waiving 26 laws in order to expedite the process of building that wall. So do they sound like the rule of law is their primary concern? The answer would be no. No, they're just hiding behind that semantic debate uh, because they realize the border has become a political liability for them. Ergo, they're building a wall, something they were steadfastly against. And they're still with a straight face trying to claim that walls don't work. <laughs> Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Now nah, the walls don't work. In fact, they're so bad, we're waiving 26 laws so we can build this non-working wall faster. You are so full of sh- Of course they are. Okay, but when it comes to Israel in this overseas trip, Biden going over there tomorrow tells me that they think they've accomplished something today. Bingo. Okay, in a forward-facing administration like this where they don't let the guy move, okay, he doesn't send his own tweets. He doesn't call on reporters at press conferences spontaneously. Everything in this administration is political theater. It actually makes me optimistic. As someone who cares about the country and cares about the conflict in Israel, I am optimistic that they're sending the president of the United States over there Because they've laid the groundwork. Secretary of State Blinken was in meetings yesterday for seven and a half hours with his counterparts. They've laid the groundwork, I am hoping and praying, for some type of either a controlled, okay, release of hostages or a controlled uh, administration and distribution of human aid into Gaza ahead of what will be a ground war. I believe they're sending Biden over there because they already have an answer to a question. Okay, I don't know what the question is yet. This is just horse sense. They're sending them over there with a predetermined outcome already in the books so they can say that him showing up is what actually sealed the deal. This is politics as usual. That's how it works. Okay, he's not going over there because they're not sure how it's going to go. Okay, they're not sure how it's going to go when he opens his mouth. Okay, they have no idea what's going to come out of that guy's mouth when he speaks publicly. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I don't know anyone who can. 
Okay, but the point is, if they're sending him over there, if they're going for the optics, if they're going for the political theater of Air Force One touches down in Israel, surrounded by a delegation of senators and congressmen and everything in between, it's because they want him to come home with the optic of, well, the old man went over there. The old statesman, old diplomat, you know, they say he's old, but old age comes with wisdom. And, you know, it's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. And why do I say that? Because if this old man had all of that wisdom, 72 percent of the country wouldn't think we were headed in the wrong direction. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Every time they try to make that argument. No, you don't understand. Biden's old, but he's got wisdom, you see. Yes, except that the border is completely overrun. We've had 7 million people cross it illegally, an additional 1.7 million who've gotten away. We don't even know where they are. Biden is such a disaster. Okay, inflation hit a 40-year high. You've got to turn tricks behind the gas station to afford a gallon of gas. Okay, it's a mess right now. We're on the brink of World War III. Okay, we went to Afghanistan for 20 years to make sure it didn't become a breeding ground for terror groups. We left with a terror group in charge of the government sitting on $85 billion worth of our weapons. You understand? If this old man had wisdom, the world would be in a much better place. That is correct. But he's going. Nonetheless, he is going. And I can only hope. Okay, I don't want an embarrassing moment for our country. I'm not a talk show host who is in the I told you so game. I didn't vote for Biden, okay? But as he goes, we go. I don't like that the country is where it is right now. I get no joy in being like, see, I told you. Okay, I don't need to be right. I don't care. I just want to be happy. Who cares about right? I'd gladly be wrong if I could be happy. If right now 97% of the country thought we were going in the right direction, everybody was loaded, goods were affordable, gas was cheap, the border was secure, I'd love to get on the air and be like, well, I'll be darned. We said Joe Biden sucked, but he's doing a great job. <laughs> exactly. He's not doing a great job. But I wish he was. I truly wish he was. I don't root against presidents, man. And if you do, politics is a too dark of a place for you. It's time to take a step back and not give it so much power over your lives. Because if you're rooting against the president, you're rooting against your own well-being. Okay, just so you understand. But here's the moment we find ourselves in. We've got a guy who's getting led on and off stage by his wife. Okay, he often quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's decided he's done in the middle of the sentence. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, so you understand him going over there. Okay, it's not a great moment for us unless they've already paved the road and they have some type of a modest deliverable ready to go. Okay, because absent that, believe me, they're not giving him the ball with the game on the line. Tell them like it is. They're not. Okay, this is not an administration. If you've been watching it for three and a half years, when Biden gets up there to speak, okay, like, you know, he was in front of reporters yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But when he gets up there to speak, okay, what does he say? Oh, they gave me a list of people I'm supposed to call on. Or some days he gives his little speech in front of the teleprompter and goes to walk away. They start yelling in questions, and he goes, Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble if I answer these questions. That was embarrassing. Of course it's embarrassing. He's the leader of the free world. 
Okay, if you want terror groups that are beheading babies to think you're capable of standing up to them, you've got to be able to stand up to reporters in your country that are 99.9% liberal. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Totally. Okay, Joe Biden doesn't really take tough questions in theory. Granted, asking him what his name is is a tough question some days because, the you know, a little bit of a mess. Biden's lost his marbles. But the point is they don't trust him with the game on the line. They don't give him the ball in the flat and go, make a play. That That's not – this is not Santana Moss at the University of Miami. It's not Reggie Bush at USC or Deion Sanders at Florida State. Okay, that's not what you're watching here. <laughs> not George Pickens in Georgia or Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State, okay? I can talk college football with you all day. Throw it a Bo Jackson at Auburn. That was for you, Tommy Daniel. Laura Daniel, she's got a birthday coming up. Uh, but understand, okay, that's not what you're watching here. They do not give him the ball and go make a play, okay? When the Giants beat the Patriots and ruin their undefeated season, okay, Eli Manning threw up a ball for Plaxico Burris in the corner of the end zone that he got open on and caught and destroyed their season, okay, because they knew Plaxico Burris could get separation, make that catch, and get them the six points they needed, okay? Again, we don't run isolation plays for Joe Biden. You know, five seconds to go in an NBA game, and you know the team clears out because Jordan has the ball, and that's just the way it's going to be. Brian Russell or Byron, remember when he mispronounced his name to insult the guy when he was on the Utah Jazz? We don't clear out (laughs) at the top of the key and go, you know what? Let's give Joe Biden the ball. There's five seconds left. He'll make a play. Come on, man. He's no idea what he's doing. You might pass it to the other team. This is a guy that talks to dead people. This is the guy that shakes hands with invisible people. The guy gets led on and off the stage by his wife when she's there because she doesn't know which way he's going. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. So to give you a silver lining to all of this, I truly believe that Biden going over there is because there's been a preordained deliverable, meaning Blinken struck the framework of some type of an agreement late last night, early this morning hammered out, I guess, whatever that framework happens to be, and now Biden can show up and take claim for it because that's how this administration operates. They are not flying this doddering old fool halfway across the world because they don't know how it's going to go. Okay, if they wanted Biden in a situation where they didn't know how it was going to go, they'd simply just ask him to open his mouth in public. You're absolutely right. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, one half of the white trash deuces. You know, we have Peter and Steve Ducey, a class outfit here at Fox News. One co-host Fox and Friends. The other is our White House correspondent. As father and son tandems go, Lincoln and I are like the white trash doozies. <laughs> There's no cookbooks. We're not going to the White House. We're going to the Waffle House. And we're having a damn good time, too. Uh, do not sleep on the white trash doozies, as we like to call ourselves. But right now, uh, we are not calling Jim Jordan the House Speaker. Uh, he has failed after one vote to get the votes. Uh, sources telling Fox... Uh, that it's conceivable that he will get even fewer votes the second time around. 
this could be a problem. So I don't know how this ends. Okay. I got intel early this morning that said he's going to get to 218. Uh, I don't know what that would involve. I don't know what is going on in this this recess. Uh, But I do know uh, we are not any closer to having a speaker right now. Now, the good news for the Republican Party is that if they finally get this right and install a speaker, whoever that might be, and they do a phenomenal job, this isn't going to be held against them. Okay, it sucks short term. And yes, it looks ridiculous. It is clown stuff. Okay, clown stuff brought to you by Matt Gates and a lot of Democrats who voted for the chaos. They did. They wanted to get McCarthy out of there because it makes the Republicans look bad and chaotic and everything they look like at the moment. But if they can turn it around and do a better job going forward, it doesn't matter. You know, they say overnight is a lifetime in politics. Okay, that's the reality. Things change overnight. Okay, so much so, you know, that you think about these attacks we had, sadly, in Israel. Okay, we went to bed one night with no indication there would ever be anything going on over there. Uh, But our intelligence wound up missing that, you know. Something that General David Petraeus, he was on CBS Sunday morning and said he was shocked Israel and the U.S. intelligence missed this. Here it is, clip 12. The complexity of what they did was really quite extraordinary. Were you surprised by the sophistication of the attack? Yes. Actually, I was more surprised that there just wasn't the awareness of what was being planned. This is a very substantial operation, and the planning of it alone uh, would have been very considerable. But then the training and equipping and positioning of forces, then the actual conduct of it, that all of that could take place and not spark much increased military readiness is really quite stunning. How do you account for it? Dramatic improvement uh, in Hamas's operational security. So understand what that is. That means the dramatic improvement in Hamas's operational security would mean greater funding. If the production level of their attacks has increased, it means they're spending more money. How would they get more money unless, oh, yeah, someone in Washington gave Iran, their sponsor, a $6 billion endowment? We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Okay, that's what's going on here. Okay. Here is John Kirby, flat out admitting, of course, Iran is complicit. Clip 15. Does the White House need a direct link on this specific attack to hold Iran in some way accountable? Well, of course, Iran is broadly complicit here. And of course, the resourcing and training they've given to Hamas has obviously helped Hamas function and be able to conduct the terrorist attacks that they have been able to conduct. Um, We have held Iran accountable. I mean, are you kidding me? Of course Iran's complicit in the attacks. So why'd we give them money? country is being destroyed by stupid people. By very- Whoa, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the dang thing on the radio. Uh, I will be on the TV with the great Martha McCallum at 3.50 Eastern Time today if you want to see me in business attire. You know, if you see me on in primetime, I'm wearing a shirt from my overweight figure skating collection. Uh, But if you see me on one of the news shows, I actually have to dress like an adult. Uh, They put a shock collar on me that goes off if I put on one of my sport coats. Ow! 
There it is. But anyway, as we uh, continue the show here on the radio, what we can tell you is the House is in recess. Jim Jordan will not be the Speaker of the House by the time we go off the air today. Byron Donalds was interviewed by Fox a short while ago. Uh, The print, okay, this audio isn't even yet available, is uh, Donalds telling Fox News, I believe there's going to be another vote today. I don't know that for sure. But other decision, uh, the decision was made to go into recess to give the Speaker, designate Jordan, the opportunity. I think some of the pressure campaigns have backfired. They've not worked. And so I think that right now, under the leadership of Jim Jordan, you know, I would request that people just take a break, take a pause, let the members work and figure this out amongst ourselves so we can elect Jim Jordan as Speaker. So it sounds like BD uh, has given Jim Jordan his unilateral support, and they're trying to work that out behind the scenes. That's what's going on right now. Okay, the other thing going on right now is the circus clowns uh, who call themselves Harvard University students are now asking for donations to help them deal with the trauma of saying they supported the Hamas terrorists. Straight clown stuff. I mean, so embarrassing. And I've never, I mean this, man. I make fun of myself for going to community college. Community colleges are great, okay? If you're listening and you run a community college, it's great. It's a great way to get transferable credits or even like a two-year associate's degree or something like that if you're going into law enforcement, what have you, okay? It's a genius way to get ahead in life because you're not getting saddled with the overwhelming cost of college at the four schools, and they're not teaching you to hate America. The reason I make fun of myself for going to community college is because I was a mess in college, okay? Straight up mess, okay? I was there because being enrolled allowed me to stay on my parents' health insurance plan, but I wasn't really there uh, in any other sense of the word. (laughs) I was there. You could find a picture of me, but I was not all there. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. But at no point would you have caught myself siding with terrorists, okay, which is where we find ourselves now. There's been a disgusting rise in anti-Semitism around the country, okay, one of which uh, just happened at NYU. Okay, where NYU has now fired a doctor over a pro Hamas post that was cheering Israel's get Israelis getting a taste of their own medicine. Yo, that's not okay. So you've got a doctor, okay, Dr. Dana Diab, okay, and she had a very interesting uh, story, okay. She was someone who had gone out and this is crazy, posted a video, posted a video of the paragliders, para, you know, paragliding into this rave, this dance party in Israel, and killing 260 unarmed civilians under the caption, Zionists getting a taste of their own medicine. That's what she tweeted. Get her out. Get her out of here. Well, they did get her out of there. It's addition by subtraction. Okay, gone. But why are people openly taking these views at places like Harvard? places like Penn, places like Northwestern, places like Cornell. They're taking these views because in the reductive, in the reductive worldview of identity politics, you oversimplify everything based on skin color, based on phrases like colonialism, occupiers and the occupied, oppressors and the oppressed. In their worldview, Israel is oppressing The Palestinians. That is a fact check false. Okay, but in their worldview, that is what's going on. And in the simplified worldview of identity politics, if someone is an oppressor, you can justify doing anything you want to them as the oppressed because you're just fighting for this good and noble ethical cause. (laughs) But understand, people are cheering on attacks that killed 
babies that killed unarmed civilians. It's not a tactical military fight, okay? This is the bombing of residential buildings. This is the attacking of a dance party. Here's a Cornell professor cheering it on, saying he was exhilarated by the attacks. This is Russell Rickford, professor at Cornell, clip 24. It was exhilarating. It was exhilarating. It was energetic. Oh, and if they weren't exhilarated, no, by this, this challenge to the monopoly of violence, by this shifting of the balance of power, then they wouldn't have been you and I was exhilarating. Here are the lowest form of life on earth. Seriously, it was exhilarating. It was energizing. And if it weren't exhilarating by this challenge to the monopoly of violence, by the shifting of the balance of power, then we would not be human. I was exhilarated. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Seriously, you guys no business teaching children. Like, that's the future of the country? You cheer on the terror attacks because in your worldview, the balance of power, the monopoly of violence is changing? Dude, Israel doesn't sit there and lob missiles into residential areas. You know what Israel does? It tries to attack, uh, excuse me, evacuate people before it can attack. Okay, they distribute leaflets. They distribute human aid. They advise people to get out. Israel is literally trying to minimize civilian casualties. Hamas is literally trying to get the highest number of human casualties possible because they become collateral in their in their public relations war against Israel. Hamas will install military installations in populated places, in densely populated areas, hospitals, schools, anything where attacking their military installations will involve the attacking of civilians. They're flat out telling their civilians to shelter in place and die as martyrs. That's what's going on right now over there. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. It's people who don't respect human life. So when you see professors cheering this on, okay, they're supporting an ideology that's no better than that of Hamas. In fact, they're openly embracing it. They're telling you it was exhilarating. Okay, when the Harvard students, 33 student organizations, 33 student organizations said, we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the unfolding violence. They're crazy. They're just stupid. They're just grandstanding idiots. Because what's happened in this country, this is so important, okay? And this is the only, (laughs) this is my only positive contribution to the radio, okay, is I have perspective. Okay, I grew up with perspective. I grew up in the 80s when it was cool to root for the country. Ronald Reagan was the president, and we had a universal buy-in here. Didn't matter what color you were. Didn't matter what your background was. We all rooted for the country at the end of the day. It wasn't fashionable to root against the country. They tried to do it in the late 60s and early 70s during the Vietnam War, and they were protesting and burning flags and spitting on veterans. It was disgraceful what they were doing. And then, yes, there was a moment in time where it was fashionable on the left to root against this country, okay? Reagan course-corrected us, and it's not to say there weren't voices of dissent out there, but the collective buy-in as we won the Cold War, okay, was that of a very positive outlook towards America, okay? We have since gone off the rails again, and we're now back to a place where there's a great percentage of our body politic that is rooting against this country again. 
where I am valuable is in between growing up in Levittown, which was the first, first World War II settlement for GIs returning home from the war. Literally everyone who raised me and I grew up around was members of a community that had fought for this country. And if they weren't veterans, which my dad wasn't, they were at least somebody who wore the uniform. He was a cop. Okay, and we were raised to understand just how fortunate we were to grow up in America. We knew that. Everybody around me was a veteran or a cop or a first responder, and we were in on the joke. Man, we have it good here. Okay, sadly, that has lapsed for a great percentage of our population. But while it was lapsing, I was still driving a cab. And even though I was surrounded by liberal New Yorkers, self-hating white people who've been born into spectacular prosperity but don't have any idea how good they have it, so they just complain, I was constantly picking people up at the airport every day who were getting in and literally bursting into song because they had made it into America. This is the greatest day of my life. People, like, actually overwhelmed with joy because they had made it to that shiny city on the hill they had heard about their whole lives. And, yeah, you drove them around New York, and they were like, wow, it's really not that shiny. <laughs> it's just it's all these people sleeping on the sidewalks and asking me for a dollar. But the point is they knew it was better here than where they had come from. And I always maintain that perspective. These people now don't realize that they have American privilege. American privilege just means you're really lucky to be where you are. We're the rich kids on the block complaining about everything in our house with no regard for the fact that the kids two houses down are peeing on each other for heat. What the hell did you just say? I'm just saying we are so fortunate beyond all believable bounds in the context of the world that a lot of people sit here and openly cheer against us because they don't realize how fortunate they are. And then you've got these other idiots in academia who now see the world through the reductive prism of identity politics, which bases everything on an oversimplification of the world. Okay, they want you to believe America is systemically racist. We're so racist in this country, they want you to believe, yet we're putting black people in charge. Believe me, if we were oppressing black people, they wouldn't be running the government right now. Okay, we have a black vice president right now. We just had a black president serve two terms in office, and he wasn't even particularly good at the job. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. I understand. Barack Obama gave $50 billion in cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Okay, in exchange for their word that they wouldn't enrich uranium. Okay, they're 60% of the way there. So did they actually follow and adhere to the terms of the deal? The answer would be no. Of course not, because people who want to blow up this country, okay, don't suddenly start keeping their promises when you hand them money. They keep enough of their promises so they can get even more of your money. That's what's going on. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. How could they? Okay, we look like clowns, especially those loudest voices in academia. Reese is out in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yo, Reese! Man, I made it through the call screener again. I don't know I, how. It's my lucky day. I don't know how. I think he's what? tendering his resignation after that kid. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, we are more blessed than we will ever know. Yep. Just being American citizens, American-born like many of us are. I'm a fourth-generation American. And I'll tell you what, like, our support for Israel has to be shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. We have got to stand by them no matter what. And, you know, I don't really like Biden, but I'm going to give him kudos for sending the, the ships over yep. 
when he did. Got to get it right. Because that was the right thing to do. Got to get it he right. He did the right thing. And that's what we all need to do as American patriots mm-hmm. is always do the right thing, whether it be within our college college dorms mm-hmm. or college campuses. We have always got to do the right thing and stand up for what we think is right. And what's going on over there is evil. And we have got to continue to just pray for the Israeli people and the Israeli Defense Force. Well said, Because those are the folks that are going to get the job done. And if they are not able to get it done, I sure hope and pray that we are the ones that are able to get it done and Mm-hmm. I love Amen. everything. I agree with everything you've said. Oh, Reese, now you're just buttering me up because you got by the call yeah. screener. Can I get some free tickets? Come this on. This is unbelievable. I need tickets to Nashville, brother. Reese, we'll talk. Be well. I'll see you soon. There he goes. Reese buttering me up. Get him out of here. Get him out. Okay. Really quick. Wally down in Florida. Yo, Wally. Yo, Jimmy, Jimmy, man. Um, I just have to say all this stuff is just a horrible point of humanity and and I'm I'm not going to call it an intelligence failure a normal person with just a, the slightest bit of humanity can't think like these people think mm-hmm. that can do these acts yep. and you know enough time goes by you just you don't think of it that way I wish a follow-up question to Rashida Talib after cutting babies heads off when you can't answer that a follow-up question should have been, do you wish you would have been able to participate in those terrorist acts? Yep, imagine that. I think it's a fair question. If you can't answer <laughs> humanely, immediately, no, that was wrong, it's it's scary to me that uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel because there are a lot of people that have that feeling. Yep, it's nuts, but that's where we are. We're back into defense wins championship mode. Uh, you get it. And I appreciate it, but you're right. There's just such a limited intellect now at colleges because what they're encouraging now is conformity. Okay, it's the craziest thing in the world. But whereas colleges used to teach kids how to think, they now teach them what to think. And it's that limited worldview that dupes them into thinking they're virtuous by supporting the worst human beings on the planet. It's not Well, and you could you can actually only get that limited critical thinking by not living in those areas. Yep. You only get that by living in this country that you don't have to worry about that except for a very limited moments in time. And I was yep. talking to Mike. I just said it may take another incident before we all get like, okay, yes, mm-hmm. this is real. Yep. Nuts, nuts, nuts. But we'll, you know, I'm on the case, and I appreciate the, the wisdom as always, Wally. We'll do it again, brother. Be well. Uh, quick break. We're going to close the show with Brian. We're giving Brian the last three outs of the show. Don't screw it up, Brian. We're back after this. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. We're giving the ball to the closer. He is out in Clarion, Pennsylvania. We always enjoy him on the show. Brian is back. Yo, Brian. Hey, Jimmy. Every time I hear those clown horns, you know I have to call in. <laughs> we, lo- we love your show. I-, I just have to share with you and your audience how bo- shocked Bob and I are about all this stuff, and particularly 
the so-called Students for Justice on mm -hmm. campuses across the country. Um, I, the only good of it is that they've exposed themselves with their fascist ideas. And what's really sickening to us, you know, Bob and I obviously being part of the gay community, is to see the LGB community with the pride flag supporting Hamas. And I want to state clearly that any gay person mm -hmm. who supports Hamas, let me tell you, there's a nearby roof <laughs> waiting for you to be pushed off of mm -hmm. because they're definitely against the gay community. And I don't understand it. And, you know, in a, in a time when a lot of people feel helpless, what we've decided to do is we're flying the pride flag, the rainbow flag, which is a unity symbol with the national flag of Israel. Mm -hmm. And people are stopping on the street in front of our house, driving by slow, because we, we do fly some flags. We support Trump. Uh -huh. We have the rainbow flag. And I think it confuses people with all the rhetoric. There's a lot of gay people who are conservatives, who support Trump, who love this country, who love Israel. Mm -hmm. And to the idea that a, such a community such as ours, by the way, folks in the gay community, remember the pink triangles of Hitler's Third Reich. We were in the concentration camps with the Jewish people as well. That's crazy. As many other you Brian, know, political people. This yeah. is a moving speech, a great history lesson. I have 10 seconds to go on the show. I just wanted you to know you nailed it. It was a very eloquently stated final call. Take a bow. The show is over. Good night, everybody. <laughs>